Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everybody. It is Saturday in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My name is Adam Bittner, assistant sports editor for multimedia at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Back with Brian Batko for our weekly Steelers mock draft video. Uh, Brian was here with us last week. Usually this should be Ray Fittipaldo's place in the rotation, but Ray is coming back from Indianapolis with Chris Carter. So um, we are delighted to go a second round with Brian here. Brian, how are you? I'm doing all right, Adam. Uh, you know, I like covering the combine, but every time it starts and I'm not there, I don't really miss covering the combine. It's a lot of, you know, scrums around the players and they're at the podium for like 10 to 15 minutes. They probably don't really want to be there doing that. They're getting probed and prodded about which teams they've met with and, you know, players they'd want to play with. And it gets a little tedious, but uh, yeah, Chris and, and Ray and Jerry uh, doing a, a good job out there with more of what the, what I would call the combine, the Omar Khan uh, comments on, on Thursday were kind of the, uh, you know, the meat of it uh, for Steelers fans, which is why Chris and Ray discussed it on the Friday North Shore Drive, but we're going to get more into the draft prospects themselves who are out in Indy. Yeah, before we get into the, the draft prospects, I want to talk about J.J. McCarthy. Um, he was mocked to the Steelers this week, the Michigan quarterback national champion. I thought that was an interesting pick for a couple of reasons, so we'll get into that. We'll also talk about Jackson Powers Johnson, um, the the center of the Steelers, or not, not the center of the Steelers yet, uh, center from Oregon who – uh, a lot of people are now connecting to the team because um, Mason Cole was cut. So I, I think that's kind of becoming a national storyline that maybe we've been talking about for weeks on here, um, but that maybe other other pundits are now recognizing. Get into little Nate Wiggins and, and talking about a couple of corners today. Um, before we do that, just want to thank our primary sponsor for this episode and every episode of the Steelers Mock Draft Tracker video, Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. There's no better place to get new windows and do doors installed in your home than Pella, who can help you save on energy costs year-round. Schedule a free in-home consultation with your local Pella Windows and Doors to find the right product for your home and budget. Give them a call at 866-593-1560 to discuss your project further. That's 866-593-1560 to get started planning on your new windows and doors installation with Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. Um, Brian, I, I mentioned J.J. Uh, McCarthy was mocked to the Steelers by not Tom Fornelli of CBS Sports. Um, his his argument was was interesting to me. Um, I actually thought the pick, you know, J.J. McCarthy's a name that is rising in a lot of draft circles, obviously came from a run-heavy system in college, um, but he's impressed some people. I've seen him in the top 15 in a lot of mocks. Um, but he's also kind of in that range where it doesn't – you can begin to imagine the Steelers going to get him if they really like the package. Um, you know, not not saying that I think they will. I think we've we've talked relentlessly about how we think this is Kenny Pickett's team and, and that the Steelers are going to give him every chance to succeed. But at least that's a name to me. Like, there's Caleb Williams, Drake May. Those guys are going to go at the very top. We've talked about Bo Nix. We've talked about um, Michael Penix Jr., on this podcast, those are guys that I look at as, as really, you know, day two or not day two picks, but maybe like second round type of guys. That's day two. McCarthy's kind of, kind of like, I think forging a middle ground between those two. So he could be available to the Steelers in a range that they could conceivably do it. Um, 
are you intrigued by him at all? Because I'll, I'll give my thoughts, but I'll let you go first in terms of, um, you know, the idea of, of J.J. McCarthy being at all a live option for the Steelers. Not particularly. For much of the same reason why I, I don't get Onyx to the Steelers idea, which I think was prominently mocked by Field Yates of ESPN, who definitely knows his stuff. Uh, nothing against Field Yates. Maybe he's got his ear to the ground on that. I know our uh, Pittsburgh colleague, Doran Dickerson, from 93.7 The Fans Morning Show, also is hot on the trail of the Steelers being interested in Knicks, maybe not necessarily at 20 overall. But whether it's Knicks, whether it's McCarthy, I just don't see the Steelers wanting to sort of get back into that same kind of quarterback prospect. And maybe I'm guilty of painting with a broad brush here, but I know Ray Fittipaldo has said this as well on the on the North Shore Drive with Carter. You know, they're, they both kind of project as a guy who – very polished, won a lot in college football. In Nix's case, played a lot. In McCarthy's case, you know, went as far as you can possibly go, taking home the national title with obviously a lot of great pieces around it. Michigan, this Michigan team broke the record for invites to the combine. So you talk about a guy who, I mean, it's not just the running game that you mentioned, Adam. I mean, he's probably going to have two receivers drafted. He's probably going to have two or three offensive linemen drafted their defense we know was smothering. So, and, and, you know, newsflash is head coach uh, leapt to the NFL this year uh, with Jim Harbaugh going to the chargers. So they had a lot of, you know, good infrastructure in place for McCarthy to succeed. And I'm not saying he won't be a good piece for an NFL team, but I think he makes sense in, you know, uh, an offense that's heavily schemed and has a lot of, their roster already built up and you plop sort of a pro ready guy in there and maybe he can recreate some of what he did with the national champion Michigan Wolverines and be a great fit for a team that way even in the first round I just think if you're the Steelers and if you were going to even consider going anywhere near a quarterback uh, in the first or even second round don't you want to swing for the fences a little bit more knowing the ceiling that you already have or excuse me, the floor that you already have with Kenny Pickett and potentially Mason Rudolph as well if he returns. And I know there are going to be people listening and commenting saying, Brian, J.J. McCarthy is better than Kenny Pickett, which that might be true. But I again, I just think I'd want to, you know, if I were going to invest in somebody like that, I'd want to be a little bit more sure that they have some tools and some traits that blow Pickett out of the water because then at least you're giving yourself a chance to find that next superhuman QB in the AFC. Yeah, I think that's the problem, Brian. It's that if the Steelers, you know, if this was two years ago and, and you're replacing Ben Roethlisberger and you're going you're going into this draft the way you went into the draft where you yeah. selected Kenny Pickett, I could definitely see J.J. McCarthy being a, a pretty live option for them, but they are invested in Kenny Pickett already. And if you're going to invest in someone else, I, I agree. They have a similar profile. I wrote in the uh, the written version of our Steelers mock draft tracker that um, it's Lance Zierlein from NFL.com. He gives uh, prospect scores to all of the, the he's, prospects. He's great. He's great at it, too. I usually try to avoid – I usually look at who you put in there, but I don't read your synopsis so that we can avoid the groupthink when I do the show. Yeah, well, so but one of the things I wrote in there is Lance Zierlein had, I believe, Kenny Pickett at 5.4 – or 6.40 – 
on his prospect score, and he had um, JJ McCarthy at, at six point three nine, so like a hundredth of a you know point difference in how he grades those two quarterbacks. And I I agree with you, Brian. Um, but I will throw out some some devil's advocate points here. Number one, um, you know JJ McCarthy did win a lot in, in college, and I wonder is there any comparison to be made for those those reasons you mentioned to like a Brock Purdy, right? Of taking him out of a, an incredibly talented college team and plugging him into a a Steelers offense that has a lot of pieces, um, you know, in place. Could they use more pieces in some certain holes? Absolutely. But, you know, especially at the skill positions, um, you know, they seem pretty well stocked going into this season. Um, do you look at him at all and say, hey, maybe he can he can make this work a little bit better? Because I think that would be the devil's advocate argument was, you know, Brock Purdy was in that same draft as Kenny Pickett's having this success now. If you can get a guy that, that kind of fits that profile, isn't that worth taking a swing at? Yeah, it's just difficult to predict for sure. You know, there are knocks on McCarthy that are more tied to his, you know, physical traits and questions about, you know, will it translate to the NFL when he doesn't have the best, you know, 21 other players around him uh, in in his league. So, I mean, I think if he does go to a place where, you know, whether he starts right away or he has a chance to kind of learn a system and continue being more of that game manager type, then sure, he, he could have success. But I just don't think the jump that you'd get from a picket or if he's back, Mason Rudolph to J.J. McCarthy is really worth that kind of first round investment. I, I remember thinking back in early January, you know, before we even knew what pick the Steelers were going to have, before we even knew where sort of the uh, draft hive mind was going to coalesce on this quarterback class. Part of me was starting to wonder, and and these were probably very early episodes of the show, or actually probably before we started the mock draft tracker show, but maybe you and Zeiss riffing on a Thursday, like Jaden Daniels to the Steelers, is it crazy? And my mind was going toward, it's not crazy because, you know, you, you get some of these, you know, quote unquote unicorn type prospects, which, um, is kind of an overused term as much as generational because they're not unicorns. We see them come through now more and more. But let's just say rare prospects at the quarterback position. Don't hem yourself into, oh, we can't take this shot because we've got, we believe we've got to give Kenny another year. That, that almost would have been a redux of the Ben Roethlisberger late stage situation where you probably passed up on some guys who in a vacuum you really liked and thought they could project well because you were sort of pot committed to Ben, but now Daniels is in another stratosphere right up there with Caleb Williams and Drake may. And there's not much else. There's not a lot of meat left on the quarterback bone in this class, at least in the first one or two rounds that would have me thinking about that position, McCarthy and Nick's included. And even Penix, as much as I like Michael Penix's arm strength and uh, some of those things that you can't teach. Uh, I, I just don't know that I'd be willing to, uh, to to take that shot right now with all the other needs that the Steelers have. Yeah, Penix is a baller. I loved watching him play. Um, you know, I, I love him as a football player. Do I love him as a fit with the Steelers? You know, I'm not I'm not quite there yet either, Brian. Um, let me ask you this about the quarterbacks before we move on here. We, we spend so much time talking about will they do this, will they do that? Where do you think they're most likely to make a splash at quarterback if they're going to do it? Is it the draft? Is it free agency? Is it a trade? Um, I kind of feel like a second round quarterback is is probably if I had to pick where I thought it might happen, 
a, a quarterback in the second round, I think is my pick for, for where they would make a significant move. I think the second round is still high enough that you're like, all right, this guy is, is a serious, you know, prospect. He's he, really here to compete with Kenny Pickett. I don't think he's going to be, you know, QB one going into the opener, but if Kenny Pickett struggles, I think this, this is a guy who could make things interesting. Um, that's my pick, Brian, but I'm curious to see where you think the most likely place for them to make a move beyond re-signing like Mason Rudolph or signing a Ryan Tannehill, which I wouldn't consider those particularly spicy moves, splashy moves. I think those are kind of more the expected moves to get a backup for Kenny Pickett. Um, beyond those two guys, what, what would you see as the most, most likely option for them? I'm not completely ruling out the Russell Wilson free agent signing, and I that'd be a delicate line to walk as far as does he come in here willing to compete to start with Kenny Pickett? Is he even able to swallow his pride, maybe with a little wink-wink of like, it's not going to take much to get you in there, buddy, if you do start as the quote-unquote veteran backup. But I I see some merit in the second-round QB idea that you float, Adam, and I'll tell you why Andy Weidel, assistant GM, comes from the Eagles – where Howie Roseman, his boss in Philly, had a quote that kind of got uh, lambasted a little until it started to make sense when he said they he wanted their franchise to become a quarterback factory. I think he said that in reference to taking Jalen Hurts in the second round when they had a you know MVP caliber resume Carson Wentz still on the roster, and we know how that situation turned out over on the other side of the state they ended up looking very smart making that move even if at the time it was a head scratcher so I think Omar Khan Andy Weidel maybe a little bit more in this modern vein of hey keep drafting quarterbacks until you hit and even if Kenny goes crazy in the first month or two of the season and and stamps himself as our guy well we have a talented quarterback who we drafted in the second round who might have some, um, you know, intrigue to other teams around the league that we could use as a chip, um, you know, to acquire some capital back. So I, I guess I could see that. Then the question would become for, for whom would it be a McCarthy? It slips out of the first, a Bo Nix, a Michael Penix. And I guess the most likely sleeper to inch his way into that conversation would be former five-star recruit Spencer Rattler, who apparently has done nothing but, help his stock since the senior bowl. And now we'll see what he does as he throws. I believe it'll be today on the field at Lucas oil stadium at the combine. Yeah. Rattler's another one of those, those college guys that just, you know, you love to watch him just kind of sling it around. And, and, you know, a lot of times, especially when he was in South Carolina, he did not have the team around him, but he kept that team in a lot of games. Um, so I'd be, you know, I'll be interested to see how his draft stock settles out, whether it's with the Steelers or someone else. Um, let's get into these offensive linemen, Brian, um, with Mason Cole being cut, the entire football world has now decided that the Steelers need a center. Um, as you and I, we, we've been talking on this show, Ray Fittipaldo, I think, was the first to really be to plant the flag and say, Jackson Powers Johnson makes a lot of sense for the Steelers given their specific needs. This week, I think I had five different guys in the mock drafts pick Jackson Powers Johnson, which is honestly in, in a single week. It's, it's rare that I see the same guy. Um, especially this early. Like when you get close to the draft, sometimes things coalesce around two or three guys. Um, the fact that you saw five guys doing it for, for Jackson Powers Johnson this week, to me, seemed like a little bit of an overreaction. Um, and I think they talked a little bit about that on the North Shore Drive on Friday. Um, Ray and Chris was, you know, it's still going to depend upon how they have him 
you know, slotted compared to some of these tackles. And, and if there's tackles that they like as better as players, they could still go after them. Where do you come down on, on that whole conversation, Brian, with free agency pending here in a week or so? Um, do you think Jackson Powers Johnson is the odds on favorite now? Or do you think that there's enough else going on that um, maybe maybe some of these guys are who are Johnny come lately to the, the center conversation um, might be overdoing it a little bit? As it stands now, if I had to bet on one player to the Steeler, yeah, I probably would go with him because it's the most obvious uh, prospect to team fit. When you just look at, you know, you pull up 32 depth charts and put them side by side. Well, there's a gaping hole at center for the Steelers. And please, every single person who I think tweeted me about the Mason Cole story said, Brian, we already had a gaping hole at center. I get it. He wasn't very good in 2023, but he was at least a starter capable player at that position I'm not really buying the notion of Nate Herbig being able to do it or else I think they would have taken a longer look at him actually doing it in 2023 when Cole was having all the issues that he was so um yeah I mean I think Jackson Powers Johnson is is right there as the most logical a lot can change after free agency I led my mailbag Thursday with a reader question about basically hey are there good options out there on the market in a couple of weeks when the new league year begins. Yeah, of course, but there's always going to be tiers of guys who you'd probably be comfortable slotting right in the way you did with Cole guys who might be coming off injury or a little bit older who, uh, you know, you, you might grin and bear it, but it's not ideal. And then a few who are more of the Herbig type inexperienced as starters, and you'd probably still want to backfill with a rookie and let them compete for the job in camp a la Kendrick Green. I think it was BJ Finney a couple years ago uh, with the Steelers, or maybe JC Hassenauer, one of the guys with initials, maybe both, if I remember correctly. But um, yeah, I mean, I get why a lot of the consensus has moved toward Jackson Powers Johnson, but I will say this too. I don't know that there's a huge drop off between him and a Zach Frazier type or even Cedric Van Pran from Georgia. I don't think his arms are going to get, you know, the right kind of length measurement that you want this time of year, but who knows? The Steelers might say, screw it. You were the center for Georgia for the last two or three years. We're pretty sure you can hack it at this level worth if you're worthy of a third round pick or so. Yeah, I, th I think that's an interesting thing to watch unfold. Um, how do you personally rate Jackson Powers Johnson against some of these guys on your personal big board? I, I think of Amarius Mims, uh, Fuaga from Oregon State, J.C. Latham. Um how many tackles do you think are, are legitimately more talented prospects that would make it difficult if, you know, it's a one, one, you get this guy or this guy um, at number 20 overall in that first round, probably five or six. Uh, the three that you mentioned, as well as of course, Joe Alt, Olu Fashanu, who I don't think any of us harbor any belief that they're going to come anywhere close to dropping to the Steelers at 20. Um, but even the guy that we focused on a week ago, Troy, Fa'utanu uh, is, is probably right up there in that conversation as well. And I think it's close enough, though, that it'll be a case of when that last weekend in April is here and that Thursday night, if you're Omar Khan and Andy Weidel and company, you're just going to be kind of trying to play the draft board much the same way you did last year with Broderick Jones. And, you know, are, is there an early run on tackles or is there a team that you thought Alt might go to? that takes a receiver in the top 10. And now the domino effect is pushing down players like Fuaga or Mims, and that will uh, factor into your calculus. So 
Um, to me, I'm, I'm not like way over my skis about any of the tackles uh, in, in comparison to Jackson Powers Johnson. I, I think those are sort of almost equal parts needs on your offensive line. Uh, and, and center could um, you know be shored up, of course, in free agency to some extent as well here before we get there. I wanted to ask briefly about Amarius Mims. He, he, he's in at least one mock draft I see every week, sometimes two or three, to the point that I, I barely talk about him in my written version. I feel like we barely talk about him on this program. I know you had Sarah Spencer, our former colleague, on uh, your Chip Tamman football show on Tuesday talking about Georgia, Georgia prospects. So if you haven't checked out that podcast, go back, take a look. Uh, a lot of good stuff there from, from Sarah. Um, why do you think Mims has been a little bit more sticky than these other guys in, being, in terms of being mocked to the Steelers? Um, I just it just seems like every week he's there and I can't say that there's another tackle who really is always there for the Steelers. There's a few reasons. Number one, um, you know, people who are smart about it know that the Steelers played Broderick Jones at right tackle last year, but he's a natural left tackle. So I, in an ideal world, you're going to find a natural right tackle and you can let your 2022 first round or excuse me, 2023 first round pick go where he's most comfortable and you can slot your 2024 first round pick where he's most comfortable. Number two, the Steelers, we know, have had a tendency to draft Georgia players the last couple of years from George Pickens to Jones to Darnell Washington. So I think there's there's something to that as well. Uh, even Mike Tomlin and, and those guys didn't act like it was any sort of coincidence. <laughs> they said that uh, if you want to go fishing in any pond, it's probably the one that's produced, uh, you know, two national championships in back to back seasons. And number three, Tomlin philosophically has said, and, and I I forget which mock drafter it was, but he slotted Oklahoma tackle Tyler Guyton to the Steelers and made a good point that Tomlin's on record as basically being like, when I see any draft analyst start discussing something other than pedigree and physical traits, and you start getting into the weeds with hand placement and technique, he sort of tunes out because that's exactly what you're there to teach and coach and instruct. In other words, Give me the guy who's 6'8", 360 and can run, you know, like a like a linebacker. And, you know, that's sort of the, um, you know, the reputation of Mims. And that's why I think, um, you know, even more so maybe than Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma, I think the Steelers and, you know, just sort of the way they think in that scouting department, relative athletic scores and whatnot, they're going to be fairly enamored with the Marius Mims and trust that Pat Meyer and company once they get their hands on him and sort of mold that ball of clay into somebody who's a bit more of a refined player than what we've seen in, he only has eight college starts, I think. And that's one of the major knocks on him. Brian, let's get into the cornerbacks here. Uh, before we do, just want to thank one more sponsor, Pitt Johnstown. It's a pit quality education with up close and personal learning, a top ranked Northeast public college by us news and world report. Generous scholarships on financial aid are available located on 655 picturesque acres with easy access to the city center, which includes shopping and dining. So vibrant campus life with an active D2 athlete community. Check out Pitt Johnstown today. Um, a couple of Nate Wiggins picks this week um, and in the last couple of weeks, Brian. He's, uh, I'd say, a little bit more of momentum building in the Steelers mock draft for him as the cornerback option. Um, difficult to say a whole lot more about him because, you know, we've talked a lot about his speed and as we're recording this, um, it's right before the the defensive back drills begin at the NFL Combine. So um, by the time you see this, you'll probably know what his 40 time is. We don't as we're sitting here. Um, but if he's quick enough, do you put him in that growing consensus 
of, of top five guys that we've been talking about today, like Jackson Powers Johnson. I think Cooper DeGene's in that group, Amarius Mims. Is Nate Wiggins right there for you, or is it is or have you not seen enough from him quite yet to, to put him on the level of those guys? No, this is gonna be one of the you know the first guys that we've discussed at length who just doesn't really have my stamp of approval as a first round pick for the Steelers in in this year. I'm not saying that Nate Wiggins isn't a good player or isn't a good prospect or isn't going to pan out at the NFL level. I'm, I'm sure for the, the, you know, the tape crews who sit down and watch every game, he's probably got a lot of good film out there. He had two picks last year for Clemson. He's got all the physical attributes that you could want six, two really fast, sticky in coverage, but number one, I mean, I just think, and I talked about this with Carter before on the NSD building your roster is, you know, sometimes as simple as just take the best player available, but more often it's like building a puzzle and you've got your lockdown number one corner and Joey Porter Jr. You've got your alpha dog there for years to come. I don't think it's really the best allocation of resources to use another first round pick on an outside corner. Um, you know, Cooper DeGene is sort of like a, a half measure to me and I've, I've, given him my uh, backing in previous episodes because I think his position versatility separates him from a Nate Wiggins. But as far as somebody who's just purely going to line up and try to shut down one half of the field, I just think you've already found that guy. So use a, a first with sort of a bonus first round pick as it was uh, 32nd overall a year ago, first pick in the second round technically. So I'd say, you know, don't uh, don't necessarily feel like you should double down on that when you do have other holes to fill on your roster and you know Wiggins specifically seems like a very similar kind of corner I mean one of the knocks on him is his tackling I personally think Joey Porter Jr. is going to be just fine in that regard but that was considered a weakness of his coming into the league so yeah I mean with Wiggins I just don't uh, I don't really see it as the the best way to use your first round pick if you're the Steelers as I say this, maybe he's going to go out and run a 4-2-3 and he's going to skyrocket up draft boards out, out of their range. But uh, no, that that's that's one that I I would worry a little bit about, um, you know, reaching for for him, perhaps at a position where uh, you're you're already feeling good about your your long term number one corner. Yeah, I, I can see the logic there, Brian. It's it's for me, it's a, it's a question of he's he's a player that the Steelers might like at a position that they do have some level of need, right? Um, and, and so that's why I wouldn't be surprised if if he, you know, turns out the right kind of speed that, you know, maybe they give him a look at, at number 20 or if they feel like they can trade back and still take him, maybe they do that. Um, you mentioned Lance Zerline from NFL.com, and a lot of times the most interesting parts of his scouting reports are the little quotes at the bottom, which they're anonymous. He, that's how he gets scouts to give their – honest insights on it. But uh, the one for Wiggins was they aren't sure if he has that dog in him. And with the Steelers specifically, that worries me a little bit. I think some of what we saw last season, I would want the dog quotient to be pretty high in my first round pick, but that's just me. Yeah, that is fair. I did not see that quote. And, uh, you know, that, that's one of those one that this kind of sums it up well. So it'll be interesting to see how, how things shake out with Nate Wiggins. Um, you mentioned that, okay, maybe you want to look a little bit later for a cornerback if you bring someone in. A name that was brought up by Luke Easterling of DraftWire this week was Renardo Green of Florida State. I want to give uh, Luke Easterling credit because I think he has diagnosed the Steelers 
pretty well in his multi-round mock drafts where he has like the positions of need. I just have not seen a lot of players that he's chosen for the Steelers that inspire me very much. Um, Renardo Green was was productive with with, with LSU uh, or at Florida State. He faced LSU, shut down guys like Malik Neighbors pretty well, uh, went up against some good players, but he was also targeted 60 times, which I think is a lot for a college corner. Um, and his athleticism scores, you know, referring to Lance Zierlein, he had him 40th among cornerbacks uh, in this draft. Um, I don't really he, grasp that when you haven't done the testing yet, but uh, I mean, maybe that's going to change. It could, yeah, it could change. So I, I, I'll, I'll be curious to see in the week, you know, a couple weeks to come if Lance Zierlein edits his scores at all for a guy like Bernardo Green. But um, does he interest you as someone who was a member of a, a good Florida State team, played some good players, looked pretty decent against them, but maybe doesn't have the raw, um, you know, numbers that kind of jump off off the page at you? Second round seems a bit steep for Green, who I think he's listed at 5'11", if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so not the biggest guy. But I'll say this much, you know, he's – I've seen other buzz from him from sort of like your underground draft analysts who, you know, maybe don't have the shield or the big E by their name. But I've also, you know, speaking of Chip Tam in football, my Tuesday show, when I had Pitt cornerback MJ Devonshire on a couple weeks ago, pre-combine and asked him and he's in Indy as well and asked him what corners people might be sleeping on in this class pretty much without hesitation he said Renardo Green from Florida State he loved watching kind of the crossover film there and and seeing uh how he got up into wide receivers obviously in the same conference the ACC so he he's gets uh, at least one uh player's you know seal um, so that's kind of interesting that, that he was, I'll be honest, he was not on my radar whatsoever until that conversation with Mr. Devonshire. So that's, that's about the extent of my Renardo green takes, but generally speaking, second round is probably where I'd start considering finding a Robin to Joey Porter Jr.'s Batman. Yeah. Maybe he could be that. Maybe he is maybe less, less that, you know, perfect, um, you know, physical specimen type that, that can just play. And maybe the Steelers like that. Um, I, I agree with you, though. I think a second round seems a little steep right now. I wanted to also ask about Jaden Hicks. You and I talked about. I think there's a dynamic to it, corner Adam, where Joey Porter Jr., we saw this as a rookie that he wants to follow every team's best opposing receiver. You, you can tell me if you bring in a personality like Nate Wiggins in the first round, Nate the Great Wiggins, he's not also going to want that responsibility. So, like, I, that's just a little maybe, uh, hey, great to have two guys like that but there's there's a reason why most teams have a number one corner and a number two corner because the uh you know the, the roles are sort of specified and defined somebody like Renardo Green probably more of a uh you know a number two in the NFL and, and could thrive in that space while Joey Porter Jr. is living in the hip pockets of your Jamar Chases and, and T Higgins and whatnot. Yeah, I think uh, TJ Tamp is a name we've talked about on the show a couple of times. I think maybe Renardo Green is, is kind of in that group of, of people to, you know, have your eye on as we make the pivot toward day two. And, and you know, as we start getting more multi-round mocks, he's a name you might see a little bit more. Um, Brian, I mentioned a second ago, I said we talked a lot about Bo Braid last week from Maryland as a, as a potential safety option. Uh, Luke Easterling had the Steelers going with Jaden Hicks from Washington State in the third round this week. Um, does Jaden Hicks interest you individually? I, I guess I'll ask. And then, um, I guess the, the second part of the question would be, 
do you have any interest in a safety before day three? I, I know we talked about how there could be a need there last week um, when we had the conversation about Braid, but is is the third round a little too early for that need in your mind? Probably, unless, and I think I made a similar point with Braid, unless you've got some position versatility to maybe bump down to that slot corner role, if the Steelers uh, you know, find another safety elsewhere, who can play the more traditional box, uh, you know, spot. So that's where I'm, I'm not quite as high on, you know, Braid and Hicks, as far as I know, is more of a traditional safety. So if, if I'm looking at safety, I'm probably more in tune with, uh, you know, two of the Georgia guys that I asked Sarah K. Spencer about on Tuesday, Javon Bullard and Tyke Smith, uh, or, you know, maybe, uh, you know, somebody uh, along and, and even, you know, I'll keep mentioning Cooper DeGene. I mean, he was asked about playing safety at the combine on, uh, on Thursday. So, yeah, I just think, um, with, with all the sort of areas that they need to fill in their secondary, I'd be, you know, breaking a lot of ties with position flexibility rather than somebody who's been tethered to, you know, to one spot for most of his college career. One other name I wanted to bring up, Brian, before we sign off here, um, I'm I'm going to butcher this name, but I actually think he's a pretty interesting prospect for the Steelers, Justin uh, Egboigi Egbogbi. Uh, go say it. Go, you say it. I believe it's Egboigbe. There you go. Uh, from Alabama, he's an All SEC interior lineman. Had seven sacks, so he can put together a, a decent pass rush from the middle of that defensive line. Good against the run. Um, I was actually kind of surprised to see him as the second fourth round pick that the Steelers have. Um, is he someone who should be even on the day two radar as a seemingly pretty good possible running rate mate, running mate for Keanu Benton? We talked about this Batman and Robin scenario. Is he a guy you look at as, as maybe a nice Robin to, to Keanu Benton for the long run? Possibly. And, and I think he's at least one of these defensive linemen who's more in the Cam Hayward, you know, three technique, five technique mold because he's got a little bit more height and, you know, I'm not sure of the length. Yet, but I actually had him, I think, as a fourth round pick in one of my dueling mock drafts with Carter not too long ago. So that's when I looked up his pronunciation. I'm still not 100% sure if I've got that down. I'm now seeing Eboigby on some places. So it's it's all over the map. Maybe we can find his own, uh, you know, his own take on it uh, out in India. But um, yeah, productive at Alabama, I think what, what could hurt him is he is kind of a tweener. You see him listed as an edge some places. You see him listed as a D lineman some places. And and oftentimes to me, though, that screams 3-4 defensive end, which is what the Steelers are, are tend to be in the market for this time of year. And, you know, sometimes maybe they even overvalue that. I remember when they did trade up for Isaiah Loudermilk a, a couple years back, and a lot of us were, you know, so, and I think that was the COVID year, so we are probably sitting at home shaking our heads and wondering what they were doing. But Kevin Colbert eventually came on and explained – when they see guys with that physical makeup of 6'7", 280, they just feel like there aren't many human beings created like that on a football field. So they wanted to get them into their building and see what they could do with them. Three years later, hasn't been a lot. So, I mean, sometimes you can get too enamored with the size uh, aspect of it. But, yeah, I mean, Iboigbe, 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 whatever it is um, out of Alabama, and I apologize to him because I usually – try to get guys' names right. Um, that's the least we can do when we talk about him. But, um, you know, he does come from a power program, albeit one that hasn't churned out a, a lot of uh, productive defensive linemen for the Steelers when they've gave it a sh- uh, shot in recent years. And, uh, you know, he's got some sacks. 
on his ledger. So I think you could do a lot worse than uh, than taking a flyer on him early day three. All right, before we wrap up here, any thoughts on, on what you've seen from the Combine so far? Anything you heard Omar Khan say? Uh, we mentioned that, that Ray and, and Chris really dug into it on Friday's North Shore Drive, so if you haven't already, check that out. But I wanted to give Brian a chance uh, before we get into reacting to more of the Combine next week. Um, anything stand out to you from, from that event so far? One extremely under-the-radar thing, but having covered the team for five years, and I guess this will be my fifth uh pre-draft process because I came on I think my first day covering the Steelers was the day one of the 2019 draft Devin Bush and I entered together and eventually we parted but uh I don't think I ever recall Steelers GM except for Kevin Colbert and Kenny Pickett mentioning a prospect by name sort of as a rule slash policy they don't like to do that because then it opens a can of worms of what do you think of Michael Penix? What do you think of Spencer Rattler? What do you think of Bo Nix? So they just generally don't do that. But Omar Khan at his podium session, which to take you behind the curtain for a second, there's usually the little breakout with us local Pittsburgh media who you know and love, hopefully. And then there's the podium where you know bloggers and writers from every city who happen to be credentialed at the Combine you can just waltz up and try to shout questions to, to coaches and GMs. And Omar Khan was asked about, I think, just like the punter class because of cutting Presley Harvin. He mentioned Tory Taylor of Iowa by name, which maybe it's not a big deal because he's, I think everybody sort of recognizes he's the best punter in the 2024 draft. And again, as Omar said, they don't have a punter under contract on the roster right now since cutting Presley Harvin. But that just like made my ears prick up a little that he went more into specifics on a player at a position that we know they need uh, than he tends to do. So perhaps keep an eye on Iowa boot Tory Taylor uh, as a seventh round option. Even if you're understandably a bit scarred of the Steelers using a pick on a punter, given the way the Harvin thing all went down. Well, listen, if you're the Iowa punter, you are well-tested, um, possibly yeah. more than anyone in college. You've been football, in the trenches. So. You've been in the trenches. Yeah, you probably play more than a lot of uh, a lot of other guys on offense. So, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see Certainly if that takes out. I'm sure, I'm sure there will be an uproar if the Steelers do draft a punter. But, listen, I have been on these post-game shows, and I listen to you guys bellyache about him, bellyache about Presley Harvin all the time. If they use a pick on the punter this year, I don't want to hear it because – You've been you've been giving it to Presley Harvin for all these years, and they do need um, someone there. Brian. Yeah, I, I didn't have a big issue with picking Harvin that year. I think he was the fifth to last pick of the whole draft. So, like, I mean, I get it, especially if you feel like you're uh, overlooking, you know, maybe another D lineman or safety or whatever. But yeah, it is it's a significant position. We we certainly saw that on display the last few years when Harvin was going through his struggles with inconsistency. Absolutely. Well, Brian, thank you so much for stopping by again this week, uh, stepping in to the void where Ray Fittipaldo usually is. Um, I'll be back again next week with this show, so make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Make sure you like you, this video if you enjoyed it. Help us out in the YouTube algorithm. I'll also be back with Paul Zeiss next Thursday. The next time you'll hear from anyone on this channel will be Monday. Um, Chris Carter will have the North Shore Drive. Lots to react to still from the Combine, so it'll be, um, I think, an interesting week on the podcast. And and then we start getting into pro days. So um, make sure you're make sure you're subscribed. We really appreciate having you along for the ride. And we'll talk to you all again soon.
Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post-Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com.